It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew, and tonight I'd like to welcome host of X Squared Radio, best-selling author and internationally acclaimed lecturer, Dr. Brooks Agnew. How are you doing tonight, Dr. Agnew? I'm doing great, Chris. It's good to be here. Friday night, there's nothing better than being on the radio with you. Very good. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Well, uh, I thought we'd start with, let's start with your background. Um, what got you started in your current fields of research? Um, you know, kind of what opened your eyes to everything kind of going on be behind the scenes? Well, I think uh, <clears throat> my life was kind of a, a long series of waking up and falling asleep. Um, and maybe that's what happened to most people. Because when I was young, I was into everything. But I was young, so they wouldn't let me into everything. So I went back to sleep and worked hard, raised four kids. And uh, once those kids were out of the house, I kind of dusted off the old uh, imagination, uh, wrote a book, and uh, started doing some radio interviews. And next thing you know, I was speaking in conferences, and I, uh, a little bout of meditation reopened the window for me. And at age 52, I woke back up, and then it was Katie bar the door. I wrote nine more books, been around the world a couple of times, and... Uh, I have researched lots of things yes. uh, from different, different aspects than most people see them. And uh, I've done a lot of good engineering. And so that's, uh, that's what got it started. Very good. Now, um, I always like to uh, start with, with my guests that know a good bit about human history. I'd like to talk about our origins. Um, how far back do you think this version of humans go? Well, I'm glad you qualified that because I think there have been <laughs> a few zeniths on right. this planet. Uh, I think uh, probably we go back 20,000, maybe, maybe 25,000 years. There are um, sites around the world that are older than that 
that have uh, what I would consider uh, advanced technologies, architectures, even w residues from weaponry that's been used uh, longer than that uh, ago. But I think the current zenith of mankind has been around in modern uh, form for about 20,000 years. Now, that being said, I think that there was at least two populations of mankind. Uh, one of the populations was here on this world uh, in orbit around this sun at the outer rim of the Milky Way galaxy. And the other one was on another world, let's just call it Eden. And at some point in time, the two worlds were merged together. And so those two genetic lines came together. And we, modern man, is the stratification of that combination of two races of mankind uh, somewhere around 6,000 years ago. So you believe that we had very advanced technology thousands and thousands of years ago? Well, <clears throat> it's not a matter of belief. It's a matter of evidence. Right. Uh, let's just take the site at Harappa for one of them. It is uh, uh, about 25,000 years old. It was excavated. It was a city that was pretty much residential. It was destroyed by some kind of weapon. That weapon was radioactive. The bones of the people that were found running together in the streets, dead now, but their bones are still more radioactive than the bones of those exhumed from ground zero at Hiroshima. So this was one hell of a weapon. Right. We already know this. We, we've documented this. 10 ways from Sunday. We know the weapon was used. We know the, the people are there. We know that the, that they were killed by this weapon. So that's one piece of evidence. One of my colleagues, uh, Michael Cremo has, has unearthed uh, a wheelbarrow full of hard evidence that modern tools, jewelry, uh, construction equipment, different things like that have been found. All I've through. had, uh, I've had Mr. Cremo on before. You know what I'm talking about then. Oh, yeah. We're not talking thousands of years. We're talking millions of years. Yes, millions. It's, uh, it, it is not explainable by our current Gregorian calendar. Now, that's fascinating to think that, you know, advanced civilizations could go back that far. What are your thoughts on why we're not allowed to know this? <laughs> well, I don't know that we're... I suppose there are forces in the world that, are, that don't want us to wake well, up. Well, yeah, don't want us to know. I think that um, I told you there's a stratification of, of atoms on this planet. Uh, the older race, which was here on the earth, let's just call them man and woman, uh, certainly genetically compatible, but not very advanced, more like Cro-Magnon. Uh, modern man, but not really advanced man. And then we had uh, man on, let's call it the planet Eden, uh, where we had advanced architecture. We had advanced forms of writing, mathematics, engineering, extremely long lifespans. That race of Adam and the current lower Adam were blended together some thousands of years ago. And it isn't a perfect uh, genetic mix, I will say that. There's a stratification of those races, we can call them tribes or you can call them whatever you want on this planet, but uh, 
and it doesn't ha have anything to do with skin color or nationality or anything like that. It is, it is a genetic uh, compilation uh, between the two races. And if you have more of the higher atoms genetic content, then you have a physical body that's capable of handling the mind of the spirit that's inside that body. You can have a very, very brilliant spirit, but if it is in a body that is not capable of making the synaptic connections to think in this body, then you're not going to accomplish anything. Uh, I think that not every soul is the same. Wherever there are two souls in the universe, one will always be greater than the other. Uh, it is written that Jesus is greater than them all. I don't have any reason to doubt that. But it doesn't mean the rest of us are stupid. There are very brilliant people that have been born and lived on this earth from time to time. And sometimes they've had absolutely no effect on the current civilization. Their works later were found, like Da Vinci or uh, Tesla or, you know, their, their later works were found. And then stimulated further development. But during their current lifetime, they were, they were not respected. They were not, as you say, allowed to bring their technology forward. They feared for their lives. And that kind of brings me to this other, other race of man, this other Adam. Because if you look at the ancient civilizations, and I researched 44 ancient civilizations, the stories are almost the same no matter what, uh, founding uh, genetics you're talking about. You have twins or an older brother and a younger brother. It's, it's documented over and over and over again, whether we're talking the Maya or the Babylonians or the Egyptians or the Jews. There's an older brother and a younger brother. For some reason, over and over again, the elder brother forsakes his or becomes disqualified for his inheritance. The younger brother then gets the inheritance. Then there is this jealous rage that opens up between the older brother and the younger brother, and the older brother seeks forevermore to destroy the seed of the younger brother. And that's the way it is right now. We have a seed of, let's call it Lucifer, alive on this earth right now. And they ruled the earth for thousands and thousands of years, maybe 5,000 years. They ruled the world. They gave all the power to one man, one guy, one monarch. I don't care if it's a king or emperor or whatever it was, but his ships and his army ruled the whole world. There was no free choice. There was no liberty. There was no freedom. There was, you couldn't even sail beyond side of land for a long time in China because the emperor forbade it. So what happened? Well, in 1776... A group of free men in this country decided on their own, we're done with that. We have an ocean between us and them. Let's start a new government, a new form of government that has nothing to do with monarchies or divine rights or ownership or any of that stuff by the government. Let's let, my God, let's let the people own their own stuff, make their own stuff, grow their own stuff, sell their own stuff, and let's see what happens. Oh, well... The rest is history. Now, the interesting thing is, in all these 44 records that we uncovered, some of them are very prophetic, very forward-looking to this day, right now. Not one of them, not
one of them predicted this country. None of them. There is no America in the Bible. There's no America in the Popol Vuh or the, uh, the, uh, the Zapotec or Olmec records. There's no Kabbalah record of a great nation that will rise up in the last days and be greater than them all. It doesn't happen. We are on a new timeline that was formed by our founding fathers. And we came this close to losing it. We came this close to turning it all back over to the overlords and sinking back down into the world of subservience with no choice and no liberty. And it is a, just a battle. It's not a, it is a war, but we have not won the war. We are still at war at this very moment right now, tonight, Friday, January 4th. We are at war. Make no mistake about it. Definitely. I'd agree 100%. And I'm, I want to get into that a little bit more later. But I want to go back to, you know, you had mentioned Lucifer and some of these old ancient deities or gods. Would you consider them to be celestial beings or interdimensional beings that had actually interacted with humans? Well, that's a really interesting question. Uh, let me answer it this way. If you go... Um, Let's just take the Bible. It's an easy one. Most people kind of understand it. If you go to the books of Genesis, uh, go to chapters 1 and 2. Just in chapters 1 and 2, or let's say up to chapter 6, you're introduced to five races of beings, none of whom are from here. Right. Nephilim, you have God, you have Lucifer, you have Adam, who's from here, actually, made from dirt. Eve, who's definitely not from here taken from a rib from him to wherever, raised surrogately in the womb of a woman, birthed, raised to a young woman, brought back to earth and given back to Adam at the end of the sixth day before the seventh day began. And, you know, five races of beings, none of whom are originally from this planet. It's just amazing that we would think today that we are the only sentient beings in the universe. Right. It's so I would say that interdimensionally is probably a good way to assume that they travel. Uh, it is clear from my physics mind that it is not possible for us to seal ourselves up in an aluminum can, fly at whatever speed, the speed of light, we would not be able to cross a single galaxy in a hundred lifetimes. There must be a way to slip in between distance in the universe. And uh, I think that, that that way has has been found by some of these races, obviously not by us. Although I have to say, we're the only beings on this planet that can perceive time. We're the only beings on this planet that can observe time. And we're definitely the only beings alive on this planet that can manipulate time. So it is possible. We just haven't figured out a way yet. Not with our physical bodies. Right. Now, um, these entities, would you say that they had hands along the way in our history of maybe genetically modifying or engineering us? I would say no. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I see repeatedly throughout these ancient cultures that there's a set of rules that once a planet is formed by whatever the creator, whoever the creator is, 
There's no coming in and messing with that. Now, the creation itself can experiment with that, and Lord knows we do. But outside, there's no outsiders that came in and, for instance, accessed apes and decided to make men into miners to mine gold. That whole story Zachariah Sitchin came up with, it's all false. It's all a fairy tale and made up. Uh, there's no record of that. In fact, uh, as a biologist, I have a degree in biology. I can tell you from single-celled animals to fruit flies to lizards to birds to dinosaurs to humans, there's not one single solitary example of one species jumping to another species. It doesn't happen. It's not like changing lead into gold either. It's not just a matter of adding one more proton and boom, you have another element. It's way, way more complicated than that, and nature doesn't do it. Right. Now, um, so that being said, what do you, do you think that it was just a divine source that created humans? I have uh, maybe a little trouble defining the word divine uh, because... You know, the whole idea of worship and the whole idea of glory are very complex concepts. It's, they're not simple words. Uh, for instance, God in all the scriptures that we can find asks for man to glorify him. I have, as a scientist, wondered for a long time, why in the world would a creator of the universe care one whit whether we glorify him or not? But then I began to understand that glory is actually a transfer of energy by our own free will and choice. And that transfer of energy is, is a conscious empowerment. If a being is not glorified, they are not believed in, not uh, deified by the people, that being just moves on. There's no source of power for them from these creations of theirs uh it's like a domesticated cow or let's call it a, a house cat a house cat barely uh you know glorifies its owner mostly because it gets fed right. turn that cat outside for a summer that cat's not coming back that cat doesn't care about you and so you move on from the cat you could care less about the cat. You just get another one. Right. That's basically the relationship between a divine, a creator, and its creation or his or her creation. So the other idea is, is worship. Now, this typically has required some kind of religion to be put in place. And I maintain that all religions, every single religion on the earth was created by evil it was created by evil, and then it was commanded to hate all other religions all the christian religions all the hebrew religions all the muslim religions they were all created by evil sorry they're all in the same bucket our relationship with divinity is a local call it's direct we don't need any priest we don't need any pastor or president or policeman or governor to sit in between us and divinity, because that spark that's inside of us, that's allowing us to communicate with this great level of pontification, is source. We are source. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, based on your research, 
who or what is Lucifer or this dark energy that is, it seems to be controlling a lot still today. Well, now we're getting back to the to the story about the, the oldest and the youngest, or the person who believes that the uh, promotion should be his, right? And it's given to another. So you have the light bringer, Lucifer, who is obviously a being of glory. He uh, uh, was highly revered, highly intelligent, extremely beautiful by all accounts, and also had the best music, by the way. Uh, <laughs> But when it came time to establish a person who would, would uh, or call a person who would establish the pathway for the soul to return back to the root of, let's call it the soul tree, he wasn't chosen. Jesus was chosen instead. So Jesus came down, became mortal, established the Akashic record of resurrection so that the rest of us could make it through back to the root of the soul tree and come back through as many times to mortality as is necessary for us to overcome all things. Read about it. It's in Revelation. Uh, And that made Lucifer mad. And so what Lucifer did is he went to the planet Eden. Let's just call it the planet Eden, not the Garden of Eden, because it makes it a lot clearer to understand this. Where God's handmade creation, perfect in every way, Adam, was placed. And there was no, there were no weeds. There were no, nothing to, to dash his foot against. Nothing to do but eat and name animals for a thousand years. And at the end of that period, and of course he was given all kinds of rules and all kind, kinds of commandments that we don't have all of them. We have a basic few, but Adam was given all of those. And then he did so well and the creation was so fine and the soul, the spirit that made up Adam was also known as the Ancient of Days, one of the most uh, advanced souls in the universe. God was very pleased with everything. So he said, well, look, I'm, I'm not going to risk this, you know, by, by uh, sending him someone that of lesser quality. So we're going to put him to sleep, take a rib. We're going to make a genetically compatible female body for him, and then we're going to put a soul into that. And and we'll bring her back to him. And that's exactly what happened. Eve, however, did not get any of this instruction unless Adam, you know, sat her down around the campfire and explained it to her, which there's no record of that happening. So Lucifer decides that this creation has been made and he knows the way it's been done on all kinds of worlds, all over the universe. It's all been done the same way. He knows the, he knows the drill. He's been around a long, long time. So he comes to earth while God's away. The seventh day, you remember the seventh day, God rested. He's gone. He's in God vacation land. They, they are at church. He comes to earth. He has a thousand years all by himself with just Adam and Eve. So, of course, the first thing he does is he goes to Adam and tries to convince him to, you know, partake of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam says, ha, look, uh, I know who you are, and uh, I'm not having any of it, so why don't you just go your merry way? So then he goes and finds Eve. Now, we don't really know how long this took. Could have taken a month. Could have taken 50 years. But eventually, he finds Eve. And it's not like, you know, a one-night stand. 
This is years and years he woos Eve. He wins her trust. He talks to her. He flatters her. He, the word is called in the scriptures, he beguiles her. He tricks her. He, he convinces her through logic and through emotion and beauty what is good about partaking of the knowledge of good and evil. And so she does. Now, Many maintained that that was actually, you know, biblical knowledge, that Lucifer actually impregnated Eve at that point. Eve realizes, I'm undone, and she goes running to Adam. And that may have taken a while for her to get to him, but she gets to him and she explains to him, look, I, I'm undone. Something in me has awakened that, uh, you know, is not right. And Adam says, hey, you know, what have you done? You know, what, you, you, you've messed up everything. You know, now you're going to be cast out of the Garden of Eden. I'm going to be left alone. This is the conversation that they're having. And Adam makes a remarkable decision. Instead of saying, well, too bad, so sad. He said, you know what? I love you so much. I'll fall with you. And so he partakes of the knowledge of good and evil too. Now, Eve is carrying two children, two boys, and they're born. Cain first and then Abel. Firstborn, secondborn. Seed of Lucifer, seed of Adam. Everything makes sense after that. Everything. Cain wants to make a sacrifice to God. God doesn't accept it. Abel makes a sacrifice to God. And, of course, God accepts it right away. Makes Cain mad. Lucifer says, look, I know this game. Here's how you fix this. See that rock over there? Smash his head and kill him. And that's what he did. The first murder for Cain on purpose. Of course, God figures out what happened. Now, here's where most scholars and most scientists like myself have the biggest question. Why? After this whole argument with Lucifer in the garden, after this dual impregnation happened, why Lucifer could be cast out, that's easy enough. Enmity placed between him and the seed of the woman, that's easy enough. Why did he let Cain live? Why did he let Cain go off to the land of Nod and have progeny? Why do we have the seed of Lucifer on this world today? That's the question. Nobody knows the answer to that question but that's the big frustration because that seed of lucifer has caused a hell of a lot of problems on this planet yeah turn on the news right now you'll <laughs> you will see it oh for sure definitely and, and you know like you said there it seems that there is a war going on behind the scenes and but more people seem to be waking up to that fact that Things aren't right, and um, you know I think that the war may be kind of turning tides a little bit these days. Well, that's not by accident. You know, somebody asked me a little while ago if if I had to pick the headline for 2018, what what would it be? And I said, well, you know, that's a really hard question to just one headline, but I would say the best description of 2018 is when this this dark cabal this uh overlord or this this evil force 
they were drawn out of their shadows and their basements and their cellars. They were drawn out into the open to fight where we could see them for who they really are. So I would say 2018 was the year of awakening. We woke up as a world. We saw what they're doing. We, we could see it. And I think it's mostly because of our president. He had the courage to bang his sword against his shield out in the middle of the street and say, come out and fight me. And they did. And we saw them. They had to lay down their masks and they had to pick up their battle axe and come into the arena. And we, as a human race, for the first time ever, we said, oh my God, look what is here. Yeah, definitely. Um, there is something going on now that we've never seen before. And it just makes me wonder, you know, where we're going to go with this in the next few years. And I, you know, I, I want to, I want to get to that, but I want to go back for a few minutes back to the history part. I want to talk about giants. I've always been fascinated with the, you know, the fact that there were giants uh, that have, there's evidence for it, you know, the, and it's covered up. So talk about uh, giants. Um, how, how far back do they go? And were they uh, an indigenous species to this earth? Or, th or is they something else that was off planet? I think that there may have been uh, giants anciently, uh, even before this zenith, because, you know, we we've see their bones. We go back and uh, we can see records that are 15,000 years old scrolls and tablets and at first we kind of thought well they're just you know the leaders they're the they're the priests they're the emperors and that's why they're made so big and the common people are made so small it's kind of a a difference in stature but i i traveled all these places i went to tibet i went to mexico i went to uh to china and japan and i looked in their museums and what I noticed was that this difference in height, this giantism, was almost universal. In fact, in a lot of cases, the giants or the larger stature beings were like, um, they were like teachers. They were like instructors. They were also rulers. They were also warriors. But in many respects, they taught men about astronomy and architecture and uh, genetics, you know, how to crossbreed plants and how to uh, take care of animals and domesticate them, about medicine, about uh, biology, and, and even space travel, because the records are there. But then we read also records where these off-worlders, these Nephilim, who originally, as the record uh, goes, were sent here to look over mankind in our early days so that we didn't, you know, screw around and set the forest on fire and, and wipe ourselves out before we ever got going. Sort of, you know, hey, hey, don't do that. That's pot kind of guideline. Right. But um, so the story goes. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. 
Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nephilim became enamored by the beauty of women. And hey, you know, it's an easy thing to do. <laughs> I have to admit it. Right. Uh, they are uh, beautiful and... Uh, 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 sometimes vicious creatures, but uh, uh, enough to tempt the gods for sure. And that's exactly what happened. So evidently the, the physical genetics of these individuals, when it's blended with any other species, it produces offspring. All kinds of abominations, of course, were born, you know, horses with body, uh, human bodies and all kinds of, of uh, abominations, which obviously couldn't live very long. They're, quickly wiped out. But giants uh, formed many, many tribes. Some of them were, you know, 12 to 16 feet tall. They could run as fast as a horse. They could cleave a man in two from his collarbone to his pelvis with a single blow of a sword. These men were fearsome in battle. Charlemagne, seven foot four, uh, absolutely invincible in battle. The average man in those days was about five feet tall and weighed about 120 pounds. Just swatted him out of the way like they were kids. The only way they killed him was the Basques. When he, had, when he was marching on the Basques, they went into a very narrow canyon. And archers sat up on the top and they shot arrows down through the gap in his armor around his neck. And that's how they killed him. They could not beat him on the battlefield. The Romans created a weapon called a ballista. A ballista is like a giant crossbow on wheels. And it has an enormous iron bow that they crank back and it shoots a bolt. The bolt can weigh anywhere from 20 pounds to 40 pounds. Wow. Sharp tip. And it was designed not to knock down castle walls. That's bull crap. It was designed to pierce the chest armor of the giants. That's the only way you could beat them was with the advanced weaponry. And some of the giants retreated. Magellan, when he was sailing around the world, went down to Tierra del Fuego, and he ran into a tribe of giants there, almost got wiped out because of them. If they didn't have weapons, they wouldn't have escaped with their lives. He records that these guys were about 18 feet tall, living in peace on their own down there in the bottom of the world, but uh, they didn't want to be discovered. Wow. There are 
were many tribes of giants and then giants begat giants. And then eventually those genes washed out in, in, the, uh, in the code. And we still have people with six fingers and six toes and double rows of teeth and people that are 12 feet tall, 11 feet tall. We have those people born still today. It's rare, but we have. Right. And I was going to ask you, like, there is, you don't think there is any remnants of real giants actually still being hidden somewhere secretly or maybe underground possibly? If they're hidden, we wouldn't know. But, uh, right. I think if there are generations who have lived underground away from the radiation of the sun, that they cannot return to the surface. Uh, one of the things we know about genetics is that um, the generations that have a genetic advantage in that environment will proliferate. Those that do not will have short lifespans and they'll die. Uh, for instance, um, uh, well, let's talk about uh, gen uh, genetic diabetes. Uh, diabetes is pretty rare in the 50s and 60s because we did not treat diabetes and so diabetics didn't live long enough to procreate they grew up sickly and many of them died you know as teenagers and they never procreated it didn't completely eliminate the genes they're still there but then we began to treat the lack of insulin with artificial insulin and so people that were diabetics were able to grow up and proliferate and now diabetes is everywhere so the same thing would happen underground if you had an underground situation, obviously you don't have much room to make vitamin D. So you're going to be vitamin D deficient. Our bodies would be anyway, because we need sunlight to make vitamin D. Genetically, there's a way to make vitamin D without sunshine or with artificial light, but only those beings would live. The ones that require sunshine for vitamin D would die, and they would not uh, proliferate very much at all. So the races that are under the ground probably cannot survive in ultraviolet radiation anymore. So they have to stay separate from us. So if they're giants and they're living inside the planet or inside large caverns in the planet with some kind of artificial light, they're not able to withstand surface life. And that kind of brings me into the next topic I wanted to talk to you about is hollow earth. What got you started in uh, the research in hollow earth? Um, and how far have you gotten? I know that there were planned expeditions uh, to the North Pole. Can you talk a little bit about that? Okay. I'll answer the last part of the question first. I've gotten further than anyone else. But uh, how I got started was by complete accident. I was uh, doing research for uh, the Arc of Millions of Years series, which is a series that co-author and I started in, I think we started writing in 2001. We finished the first book in 2004, which was about 960 pages. And our publisher at the time said, you really cannot publish a book that big. You have to you know, trim it down a little bit. So we trimmed it to 560 pages. And while we were deciding what was going to go in the first volume, what we were going to save for the second volume, somebody handed me a book called Our Hollow Earth. I read it. And I basically discounted it. I put it on my shelf and forgot about it because I said, look, you know, I went to school. 
I know the way the planet's made. Everybody knows this. We live on a molten ball that floats through space. And we have these tectonic plates like giant cornflakes floating in a bowl of milk. And we live on those plates on the outside. It's not much Earth, but it is some Earth, and that's what we live on. And everybody knows that. But then in uh, 2005, a strange picture was taken of our planet from space by us. And it showed auroras over both poles at the same time. That was not what we expected. We thought that the auroras were caused only by solar wind. And we know that, you know, in the wintertime, uh, the sun faces the southern hemisphere. And so we see the auroras over the northern hemisphere. And in the summertime, the sun faces the northern hemisphere. And we see the auroras over the southern hemisphere. That wasn't what was happening. We were seeing auroras over both poles and everybody from NASA to JPL, everybody said, hey, we have to run some experiments because obviously something else is causing the auroras. So they put the Themis probe together. Now the Themis probe was a, a nose cone that had five satellites inside of it. These five satellites were designed to measure uh, energy waves that might come from the sun to earth during a aurora appearance. And the way that they sent these satellites up, they each are at a different orbit. So they kind of stretch out into space like Jacob's ladder. And they don't line up very well, uh, very often, but they did line up. And when they lined up, they ran the experiment. During the experiment, there was a strange appearance of energy that popped into existence, they called it a cosmic bullet. I am not kidding, that's what they called it in the article from JPL. A cosmic bullet exploded out in space between satellites three and four. Now, of course, the explosion went out in all directions, so it passed satellites three and four, went out to space, it passed satellites three, two, and one, and struck the Earth, and boom, there was the aurora. So that was their report. The auroras are caused by cosmic bullets it didn't sit well with anyone right and i said to myself you know i'm going to dig out this idea of the hollow earth again because something's not right here you know what a, a double beam balance is right if it's even the two pans are are even so i just dropped a, a pellet in one side which let's just call it auroras over both poles so it began to tilt a little bit in the opposite direction from our current assumption of planetary core geology and then other pieces of evidence started place. Like in 2006, Dr. Y Sessions uh, conducted a study of 600,000 seismograms. Seismograms are generated when there's a big earthquake somewhere on the planet, like Malaysia or Alaska or something like that. When it thumps the earth with like a center, it go all the way through the planet. And they're picked up by other seismic stations. But no one really ever analyzed these sound waves for shape. They just analyzed them for time. So he commissioned his graduate students. They went through 600,000 of these seismograms, put them into a computer program to kind of do a CAT scan of the Earth. And what they came up with blew everybody away. In the article, it says that they discovered the damping waves of another ocean 
underneath the Atlantic Ocean, under the crest. That means waves crashing against a shore on the inside of the planet, another ocean on the inside of the planet. Well, if there's another ocean crashing on the bottom of the crust from inside the planet, then that means the crust has enough gravity that it can hold things to it from both sides, the outside and the inside. And then shortly thereafter in 2009 to 2012, this experiment was actually duplicated several times in successive levels of technology, but here's the basis of it. In the center of the planet is a iron crystal that appears to be about 1,200 miles in diameter. It is a solid iron crystal. It is putting off a frequency which we know absolutely irrefutably in the CRC is iron because that's the distance between the nucleus and the electron shells and we can tell by frequency that it's iron and it's in crystalline form. And it's at 6,000 degrees C in order to put off that frequency would have to be at that temperature, which by the way, is the temperature of the surface of the sun. So it had to be duplicated. They could duplicate the frequency, but they couldn't duplicate the temperature until Carnegie Science put together and what's called a diamond anvil. And a diamond anvil, they made two uh, industrial diamonds, fairly good size, about this big around, one above the other. And in between them, they put a crucible and they put iron uh, filings into it. And then they smashed it hydraulically, smashed the uh, diamond anvil together to duplicate the pressure that they would expect for a 1,200-mile diameter iron crystal. And then they shot a laser through the diamond to heat up the crucible to 6,000 degrees C. And lo and behold, they created a round iron crystal, just like the center of the earth. That was remarkable. Well, now my balance is about like this. Right. So I'm saying, okay, okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to join an expedition to the North Pole. Let's, let's go see. Let's go see if there's an opening. And there was an expedition, and I joined it. And the expedition leader, whose name was Stephen Curry, about six months after I joined, passed away from a rapid onset brain cancer, just like John McCain. That was the end of the expedition, or so I thought, because the board called me up two months later and said, look, Brooks, you do big projects all the time. Why don't you lead the expedition? I said, let me think about it. Well, I thought about it for a month and I called them back and I said, you know what? I'm here to do great things, let's, let's make it happen. Well, that was 2007. So we said, let's try to raise the money and we'll go in 2008. Uh, the economy had something else in mind in 2008. It went straight to the crapper and it sat there for about uh, six years because during those six years, we tried everything. We made pilot films, we did GoFundMe projects, I traveled the world, spent tens of thousands of dollars making lectures and speaking to 100,000 people live. We could not raise the $3 million it takes to rent that boat and take this expedition. I didn't give up. I just decided maybe universe has another way that this is supposed to happen. 
So I took two steps backward and I went off in another direction and left that alone on the table. Well, lo and behold, last year, a film company, not the filmer people, but the film funding people came to me from Australia. They want to do the expedition. So we are putting together the pieces right now. I am working with Netflix, a producer for Netflix, to put together a series for the first four years of our research, all the places we've been, all the film we've taken, all the interviews we've done, all the really strange government facilities we went to that take these measurements. It'll make a great series. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From that series, we hope to raise enough interest to do a second year, which is to rent the ship and go and see. We're going to survey 10,000 square miles of open ocean looking for an opening in the crust. So that's where we are right now, Chris. Wow, that's fantastic. That would be great if you could get to that to that point to where you could actually do that. That would be really awesome. Well, we might only see whales at ice, <laughs> but uh, I think it's going to be way better than Deadliest Catch. And how oh, many yeah. movies have been made about climbing Everest? Right. I, I'm tired of Everest. Even if we own, only found whales and ice, we're talking about the roughest seas on Earth. Ten-story seas with a hundred scientists from all over the world that are there only to collect some data about seawater and sea life and magnetism and air samples and samples off the bottom. It's going to be amazing. 15 days away from the nearest bathroom. <laughs> These guys are going to be hammered at the end of 15 days and we're going to get it all on film. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. Can't wait for that. Now, what do you think uh, is going on on the other end in Antarctica? There's recently been tons of interest. They've had world leaders going down there. They've had Buzz Aldrin. What do you think is going on in Antarctica? <clears throat> that is pretty strange, isn't it? It is. We had the uh, Vatican's emissary. Right. Uh, we had uh, the Secretary of State, John Kerry, there. Maybe they were there just to see the penguins. Uh, but, you know, that is a facility that you don't get to see unless you're affiliated. By affiliated, uh, we generally mean that you are either associated with, a, with the military or you're affiliated with a university that is operating under a military or government grant. There are no tourists that go to Antarctica that get to see any of these facilities. I'm sure you can go down there and you can, you know, see the penguins and take a picture on the shore and then leave. But you're not going down there to see, you know, anything that's really been done there um, on a research basis, unless you're affiliated. I've had two members of my team. One made it to New Zealand and never, never made it, ended up coming back. And the other one is, his name is Brad Olson. You may have already already interviewed him. I don't believe he made it either. 
So I'm going to see him in April. And so we're going to discuss this again and see how far he got. We'll do it off camera. He'll, he'll do one thing on camera, but he'll tell me the real happenings off camera. And then we'll see where we go from there. It's fascinating to think of the possibilities. Um, you know, there's all kinds of theories that, you know, it could be some kind of ancient technologies they found. And, um, you know, speaking of ancient technologies and modern technologies, we, now Trump is announcing that he, we have a space force. Now, what are your thoughts on the space force? And do you think that we've always had some type of secret space program and this just may be a way to kind of bring it out into the open? I don't think so. Here's, here's my take on it. And I, I wrote a book called Charm of Favor. Uh, which is about this deep state and what it is capable of doing. We now have pretty clear evidence on the, on the outside world, and you can verify this a lot of different ways, of the existence of a deep state, uh, a, a sort of, a, I call it a government inside our government. 86 years ago, a, there was a force on the planet that decided to do its best to destroy and take over America. In uh, 1910, you know, the guys got together and formed the Federal Reserve. 1913, the Federal Reserve Act was put in place. 15 years later, they decided to try the strategy. And so several of the world's industrialists that are involved in this cabal were able to move their money out of liquidity and put it into fixed assets and then they crashed the money supply. They just crashed it. The Fed just crashed the money supply. Well, it drove the entire world into a depression. It, it so weakened America. By the way, we had a, a President Hoover, who was also an engineer, who was also trying to undo regulations and get things out of the way to allow small business, you know the story. We've heard it before, right, in 2016. They destroyed him. They eviscerated him. And they brought in the flamboyant governor from New York, another New Yorker, and with him came into the White House Soviet spies. That was 1933. They began to set up this shadow government, this other government. And basically, it was government in a box. You just add money, and it creates itself. Agency after department after bureau after administration was created. Of course, you needed a secret police force. So two years later, in 1935, he established the FBI. Now, the FBI was established to, quote, defend the interests of the country. We now know that that was defend the entrance, interests of the fascists, of the Democrats. They have been doing that ever since. That was their charter. They never stopped doing it. They didn't get corrupt. They've always been corrupt. It didn't stop there. It got into the Pentagon. And the Pentagon became stratified and politicized. And so what happened was they were able to siphon billions and billions and billions of dollars off from all kinds of activity, not just taxes, not just taxes, but other activity, drugs, uh, bootlegging, trafficking, money laundering, uh, manipulating currencies back and forth. They were able to make huge amounts of money and fund a 
a different kind of organization. Now, did they have a secret space force? I don't know. But I do know that the organizations that could dominate space became so politicized that by the time Donald Trump got into office, he realized he couldn't fix it. He couldn't fix it in four years. He couldn't fix it in eight years. He couldn't fix it in 20 years. It was too well established. The codes, the oaths, the covenants, the money, he couldn't stop it. Fortunately, what had happened is Barack Obama had put a policy together called sequestration. Sequestration fairly well gutted the military. They had to shut down entire fleets. The whole second fleet was decommissioned. The TARS system all along our southern border that borders uh, the Gulf of Mexico completely dismantled. It left us completely open to attack. So what Trump did is he said, I can't fix this, but what I can do is I can establish a new division. And I'm gonna take all the equipment from the second fleet, I'm gonna take all this decommissioned equipment and we're gonna recommission it. And guess who I'm gonna call to staff that? Hundreds of officers, dozens of generals, all fired because they would not follow this cabal. Flag officers with battle experience, smart, patriotic men. Trump put all of them back into uniform and all that iron is now under his command. And slowly what we're beginning to see is these two militaries inside our military are facing off. Now, at first it's gonna be political. At first it's gonna be some, some uh, muscle showing. For instance, you remember when the Marines were flying around Langley, the CIA headquarters? Yeah. Flew around one Saturday. Now, all the leadership was gone, but the rank and file, they were there. They were flying around that building on a Saturday for several hours in helicopters. They didn't land, they could have. It was a message clean up your act, or we're going to come in and clean you out. And it was shortly thereafter the head of the CIA was changed. Trump is doing what he can do. And it's interesting to see this. this uh, amazing fight that's going on in Washington right now because it's like nothing we've ever seen before. What we've seen are these continuing resolutions. We've seen these twisty, turny kind of back room, smoky deal. Uh, to just kick the can down the street and slowly put things together. Through this process, Obama doubled our national debt. Eight trillion dollars he went through. Eight trillion dollars. I'm going to ask you a question, Chris. What do you have to show for eight trillion dollars? Nothing. <laughs> right. Not yeah. a thing. Zippo. Yeah. Things have changed in the last couple of years. I'll bet you that in the sound of our voice tonight or the archives, not a single listener has to drive more than five miles before they find an orange barrel somewhere on the side of the road. Everything is under construction in this country. Everything. More people are working now than have ever worked before. And it's only a matter of time. If left alone, we are going to pull out of this. And we are going to put the Republic right again. Well, that's, that's a, a great way that I thought we could kind of close out 
talk about where you think we're going in the next five years as far as you know socially or, or even with our technologies and are we going to get past are we going to defeat the cabal basically the answer is yes we, we could we have the potential of doing that but here's the problem it isn't an ideological one it isn't a matter of um you know not enough radio programs like yours out there there's certainly enough i declared 2019 to be the year of light and we're going to crank it up, baby, so you better get your sunglasses on. There's a bigger problem. The problem is sort of like the original strategy that the British Empire had in the 1800s. They decided to refine uh, drugs and turn it into opium and feed it back into China. And they basically drugged China. Now, the leaders of China knew what was going on, and they tried to stop it. They tried through awareness programs, through raids, everything they could do to stop the opium from proliferating through their neighborhoods. And you know what happened? The British sailed their navy into the rivers of China and forced them to take the opium. It was called the Opium Wars. They invaded twice and blew the crap out of China to force them to become addicted to opium. Right now, our country is addicted to drugs. We're trying to build a wall to shut off the flow of drugs because if we can do that, people don't realize our nation has created so much money through drug use, illegal drug use. It makes up 3% of the gross global domestic product. Global, 3%. You know how much money that is? It's, in, it's an enormous amount of money. The tech giants are dwarfed by the money that's being done by drugs. It must be shut off. If we build the wall, if we're able to shut off cold turkey, shut off our addiction to drugs and wake up, I predict in five years, the dark cabal will be defeated because they're only supported by three things. One, through the sale of illegal drugs. Two, through the sale of human flesh. And it is almost the same amount of money. It's enormous. And the third is the killing of our babies. 50 million children a year, a year are killed in the world. We kill a fair amount here in this country, but the money that's made from that feeds this dark cabal. You know why the Democrats fight so hard to keep Planned Parenthood funded? Because Planned Parenthood pays them $56 million a year from the $500 million a year that they get from taxpayers. Basically, not basically, absolutely. They launder the money back to the Democrats. Zero dollars, by the way, for the Republicans. Zero for Americans. All the money goes to Democrats. They don't care about a woman's right to choose. They don't care about women's health services. They care about $56 million a year. You cut off those three things. The sale of human flesh, the sale of drugs, and the killing of our babies and we will pull out of this, and it will be a glorious world. I guarantee you that. Very well said. 
I think that's a perfect way to close out. Dr. Agnew, I want to thank you again so much for joining us. I'm going to have to have you back on, definitely. Well, it's only been 10 minutes. <laughs> Very good. Well, yeah, you have a great night. Thank you, Chris, very much. Have a great weekend. You too. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.